y'all, Sam from the future here. I just wanted to jump in and give a quick disclaimer for this episode. Unfortunately, my internet was being horrible. So if I seem a little distant, a little choppy in my script, a little ungenuine, that is because I could only hear every other word that Ollie was saying, if at all, and my audio got really choppy for some reason. So I do want to apologize ahead of time for that. I tried to fix it as best as possible without totally butchering the episode in the editing program, but this is the best I could do. So I just wanted to apologize ahead of time, and I hope you guys still enjoy the episode. Bye! Hello and welcome to Boo's Podcast. I'm Sam. I'm Ollie and it is a beautiful, well it's not that beautiful, it's a nice early, early, early crisp morning here in Buda, Texas. My voice is nice and low because I just woke up. (laughs) (laughs) And we are switching it up a little bit today. You're going to get a little, a little appetizer. because I'm eating this freaking granola bar for breakfast and that's not that's not my How desired uh, desired breakfast food <laughs> uh, but yes it's gonna be a little little snippet or a little picture of how things might be for booze next year uh, so we're, we're trying it out yeah because this is our last recording until March I'm very very sad I'm, about it it's a little bittersweet I am pretty but... sad now that you said it like that I know <laughs> Um, but we have all new equipment coming. We're really revamping everything. So this this will really be worth it. This little hiatus will be worth it. We promise. Yeah, I might get a um, a podcast shack. It's not a loft because it's a little house. Um, I'm thinking about turning my mom's little little shack in her back. Like she has this. It used to be a playhouse. It used to be her friend's granddaughter's playhouse. Um, it's pretty nice. I want to put some soundproofing in there, put an air conditioner in there, and just have a place to record if needed. Yeah, Matt and I are talking about putting a studio in our backyard. Um, at first, he wanted a storage shed for all our like lawnmowers and everything, and he's like, uh, we should do a studio instead. So now we're looking at having a studio built in the backyard. That'd so, be so <laughs> things cool. Things are happening. Yes. Yeah. I love it. So, yeah, I'm very excited for where booze is going next year um but i do have some boozy news for once because i know you always have all the boozy news but now it's my turn give me all (laughs) the booze news so i think we vaguely touched on the fact that when covid was hitting hard in new york there was all these bodies and they were being put in u-hauls correct Mm -hmm. okay so this is from the new york post this just came out um, it says New York pulls license a Brooklyn funeral home that has stashed bodies in U-Hauls. Um, and the article says the Brooklyn funeral home that stashed decomposing bodies in moving trucks was stripped from its license Friday for what the state health department called appalling conduct amid the coronavirus pandemic. Health Commissioner Dr. Howard Zucker said he issued the suspension order following an investigation into Andrew T. Checkley Funeral Home in Flatsland. 
The NYPD was alerted Wednesday to foul odors and liquids coming out of the U-Haul trucks parked outside the storefront funeral home at 237A Utica Avenue. Cops found dozens of bodies piled up in the unrefrigerated cargo area and more lying on the floor inside the business, sources said. So, um, this isn't the only funeral home that's now had its license stripped because of how bodies were treated and how badly they were decomposing, which... in I understand why licenses are taken because you don't treat bodies like that, but I'm also torn because what were families going to do with their loved ones' bodies if no one was taking them? Like, there was no there was no system set mm-hmm. up for pandemics exactly. for all these bodies. So, in a way, I understand why they were taking on all these bodies, but that's not how you treat bodies. So, I understand why they took away the license, but in the other way, I'm looking at states and stuff like why is there no system in place for this why did no one think that anything like this would happen because no one should be traumatized by seeing their loved one decomposing you Mm -hmm. know it's just not that's not something that a family should go through and i know other states and other countries um were demanding that all bodies be cremated Mm -hmm. just because it was so dangerous and of course america being very i'll say money hungry they they want to make as much money as possible so they didn't require the cremation, but those that did stand and say, hey, you do require cremation, got completely filled too. So there was just no, there was just no, no nothing to do, you know? And we weren't going to put people in mass pits. Like, yeah. that's fucked up. Yeah, we just didn't have the infrastructure, the um, money, the capabilities to handle a pandemic. I, I don't know... I hope now we realize or like companies realize industries realize that you know this can happen it can happen very easily or it can happen easily and you know there needs to be some way to prepare because I don't know do you have do you remember in any of your classes being taught like how to prepare for something on this scale like a pandemic mm-hmm. or studying it's and it's also hard to study pandemics that have happened in the past um because what are we gonna study the spanish flu like of course they didn't have all the capabilities we have R. now edward cullen <laughs> oh is that how he died <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but i thought he's a vampire well, okay <laughs> his, his soul died his soul died <laughs> are you team edward or team jacob We've established I don't remember. this on the hardcore team. Okay, Edward. okay, okay. I thought so. I don't see you as a team, Jacob. But I don't even know no, what that means. Ed- <laughs> Edward's always sparkling in the back of my mind. You know, just he's always there. <laughs> I want Matt to dress up as Edward one day. Just put some glitter on him. He's white enough. <laughs> I think we could do. <laughs> No, he's got a nice tan going on now that we lived in Texas. So he's always like, look at my tan. I'm like, yes, babe. Is it a farmer's tan? Yes. <laughs> yeah. He's like, he was like, I'm darker than you now. And I'm like, okay, don't, don't go that far. Like, you're not there yet. That's funny. <laughs> oh, anyways. Oh, my gosh. I did not mean to derail us this morning with yeah. uh, Twilight twa- Talk Talk. <laughs> Um, but no, we didn't learn about pandemics at the school. But the only thing teachers ever made was, well, they're busy over there. And it was kind of just like, that was the only comment. And it's like, okay, but that doesn't address the issue that we should also be taught with how to handle bodies and how to do everything with pandemic. It was also just wear your PPE. And if you're uncomfortable, you know, 
part of the job yeah. and it's like oh my god and even when i worked at the morgue when we had covid bodies coming in people were pissed like i don't know why they're not pushing for cremation um it's dangerous to embalm it's dangerous to have viewings when you know there's pandemics when we don't know how at that point we didn't know how the virus was in in bought in deceased bodies we just didn't know how it worked so it was a lot of just we'll just do it so yeah yeah Ugh, that's awful though um speaking yeah. of funeral arrangements and things of the such remind me that i need a favor from you later <laughs> okay <laughs> i don't want to forget to uh to mention it um do you want me to text it to yes you? please do <laughs> okay <laughs> oh man well thank you for that booze news that is terrifying you know for families and just our world as a whole as it is right now like even though 2021 is in the horizon i don't know i don't want to be naive and think it's gonna get better no especially with some of the fucking people on my facebook timeline who are all like i'm not getting the vaccine and i'm like oh my fucking god (laughs) fuck all you (laughs) yeah i do I, i don't know i have um my timeline i guess is split up um and i know a lot of people who have received the vaccine too because they're in the medical field so i'm excited to see how that pans out gabriel had already said like the moment it's available to him he's getting it because he's tired of this covid life yeah but i think people are still going to be required to stay in until a vast amount Mm -hmm. get it or so i mean yeah I'll, i'll probably get it asap too just because my, my job involves me talking to a lot of people mm-hmm. and all that, so. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, <sighs> I'm just ready for it to be over. Me too. <laughs> I, wanna, I want my passport to be stamped again. <laughs> and I don't want our cabin to be ruined in February. I want everything good and solid. I know, and, you I know. know. Fingers crossed. Um, also, I remembered that... Actually, I accidentally got rid of all of my sticky notes and I've been digging for them because I've been throwing ones away that I need. Um, and one of those sticky oh, notes. the chainsaw. The chainsaw, yes. You're gonna, I totally forgot. Our poor <laughs> listeners are probably like on the edge of their seat. I just know it. <laughs> okay, well, last recording we had audio issues on my end and I couldn't hear you at all because my internet is shit. I need to switch providers. Um but so that that was kind of my fault too that kind of put a hamper <laughs> it's all right yeah we had to crank that episode out asap so we didn't have time we didn't have time to go back and re-record or anything like that um i was hearing like every other fourth word like squinting uh-huh. like i probably got new wrinkles trying to <laughs> listen to- <laughs> i'm sure everyone can relate to the struggle if you're working remotely especially like we're having work meetings through Zoom and all that jazz. Yeah, y'all understand. Yeah. But the chainsaw, please so, tell us yeah. what what the fuck. So, back in the 18th century, if babies couldn't fit through and it became stuck in the pelvis, parts of the bones and cartilage were removed to create space, medically known as a I can't say this siphonectomy. No, that is not right. <laughs> <laughs> it's spelled S-Y-M-P-H-Y-S-I-O-T-O-M-Y. There's a lot of Y's, okay? 
Um, and to make the process easier, two Scots surgeons invented the chainsaw in the 18th century. So if you guys Google why chainsaws were invented, there is like an early images of what this chainsaw was and they basically used it to cut open to get the baby out because it was easier to heal from cut cartilage and bones than actually broken bones is what I remember reading from a while ago. So um, yeah, chainsaws were used in the coochie to get babies Jesus out. Jesus Christ. Imagine. How fun. Did they have? I don't. They did not imagine. have anesthesia, anesthesia back then either. They just yeah. They just rubbed cocaine all up in their gums, probably. Well, could you imagine tripping on cocaine while getting chainsaw? I don't know if you trip. I don't think you trip on cocaine. <laughs> I think well, you just you know get I mean. a. You just you know all the thing that all the things that the weekend sings about. <laughs> you get in your feels about cocaine. Yes. <laughs> You can't feel your face. Um, <laughs> uh, let me see. Uh, when was anesthesia created? It was made in 1846. And the chainsaw was made in the 18th century. So maybe? Oh, I hope so. I hope so. Like, how, 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 why? Haven't women endured enough? No, apparently not. We don't go through enough. I watch a lot of videos, like plastic surgery videos, and I'm I still just that. Even though I know the woman doesn't feel anything or the person doesn't feel anything, I'm still just covered in chills and cringing the whole time. Like I'm a big fan of plastic surgery, obviously, um, but man, I felt so good when they were like, "Okay, here are your perks. Here's your um, anti-anxiety medicine." I was, oh my god. I mean, I've talked about how I fell asleep with the case in my <laughs> mouth when I got back home, so. Yeah. Yeah, that uh, you don't feel just anything invasive to the body and to I, me give it creeps me out, but I'm trying to desensitize myself to it. I'm trying to prepare myself. <laughs> I think I'm <laughs> I think I'm completely desensitized because my family used to well, my mom, she loved shows like that. So we would eat dinner as we watched shows like that. And actually yesterday I was watching Hoarders and I ordered some food from Uber Eats and I was eating while I was watching Hoarders. And Matt comes in and he goes, I'm not fucking into this. He's like, this is disgusting. See, I used to too. <laughs> I'm like, I used to be able it. to eat and watch Botched. I loved Botched and anything. Like, I was not sensitive at all. I don't know when I became a big wimp. I have no idea. <laughs> just happens. It just happens. Um, but other than that, do you want to get started? Do you want to jump into it? Yeah, we have a doozy of a story today. So let's jump into it. Our resources for this episode are mysanantonio.com, texasmonthly.com, and a webarchive.org for crimemagazine.com. In today's story, we are going to cover the life, political success, and the kidnapping and murder of the nation's most well-known atheist activists. It was only 25 years ago that the most hated woman in America was kidnapped and murdered here in our backyard. Madeline O'Hare was born on April 13, 1919. She was an Aries. In Beachview, a neighborhood in Pittsburgh, she was the daughter of Lena Scholl and Arv Mays. Madeline grew up in Pittsburgh, Ohio, and was a member of a Presbyterian family following a brief marriage to John Henry Roth, and she had relations with William J. Murray Jr. and Michael Filarillo. Yes, which we will, sorry, which we will get into detail later because that has some, um, 
juicy, juicy, hot, hot tea that resulted in sons named William J. Murray III, who was born May 25th, so he was a Gemini, 1946, and John Garth Murray, born in November 16th, 1954, which is what? A Scorpio? Is that a Scorpio? I think so. I think so, yeah. Um, at 22, she went off to war in the Women's Auxiliary Army Corps and had an affair in Italy with a married American officer named William Murray Jr., even though she got pregnant, he refused to divorce his wife because he said he was Catholic. Still, she took <laughs> I'll cheat on you. I'll give you a baby. But I'm Catholic, so I can't get divorced. Yeah, no. I'm sticking my <laughs> with my wife because that's a sin if I divorce. Like, what the fuck? Still, she took his name and both for herself and Bill III. After completing her undergraduates from Ashland University, she enrolled at the South Texas College of Law, but never seriously pursued a legal career. If she achieved the success in today's world, O'Hare would have been celebrated, but her reality was that no matter what her achievement was, she was still a woman and a single mother on top of that. Society rejected O'Hare, so it was only fitting that she fell into the margins of what our culture deems proper, especially by declaring her godless beliefs. The Netflix movie depicts... What Netflix movie? Oh, yeah, I forgot to <laughs> introduce that. So, um, there was a few things that inspired this story this week. Um, one is a little twist I'll add at the end. And two is there's actually a Netflix movie about O'Hara's life. Um, I tried not to depend on that movie because it's a docudrama uh, for the episode. But in the movie, if y'all are interested, it is called, I believe it's called The Most Hated Woman. Um the most hated woman in america and it came out mm, not that long ago it's pretty new um and in the movie of course she's like depicted as a single mother um with like a turbulent relationship with her parents you know she's in the 50 like living in the 50s um with children who you know don't have a father uh so yeah if y'all are interested in this story please watch that netflix movie and yeah, Sam, I'll hand it back over to you. My bad. <laughs> so the movie depicts O'Hare. Oh, well, you already said that. Do you want me to keep reading it? Or Yeah, you can keep reading. So the movie mm-hmm. depicts O'Hare as an educated single mother living with her parents. Her father, who had baptized her in church, was shown as a hostile towards his daughter due to the way she had lived her life. In 1960, O'Hare visited Bill's school where she heard students saying the Lord's Prayer. School authorities would not excuse him for saying it, so she sued the school board for violating the First Amendment prohibition of state establishment of religion. Murray v. Curlett went on all the way to the United States Supreme Court, where it was absorbed by a similar suit. Abington School District v. Shrimp. On June 17, 1963, it was a decision 8-1 to vote, and the court kicked prayer out of the schools. This was the beginning to her legacy. In 1963, she founded American Atheists and served as its president until 1986, after which her son, John Garth Murray, succeeded her. Of course, O'Hare and her family faced tremendous verbal abuse and death threats, and her son, Bill, was harassed in school. She wrote a letter to Life magazine that said, We find God to be sadistic, brutal, and a representation of hatred, vengeance. The magazine, in turn, called her the most hated woman in America. She tended to insult Christians and Christianity while also preaching free love and open sexuality for all. She described nuns, for example, as poor old dried-up women lying there on their solitary pallets, yearning for Christ to come to them in a vision some night and take their maiden heads. By the time they realized he's not coming, it's no longer a maiden's head. It's a poor, sorry tent that nobody would be able to pierce. Even Jesus with his wooden staff, it's such a waste. God damn. Yeah, like, damn. <laughs> damn. She did not hold back. She was working on that bit for a while, it seemed like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
And some thought her vulgarity was too much, but not Madeline. I love a good fight, she said. I guess fighting God and God's spokesman is sort of the ultimate, isn't it? So she just loved to just get everyone in a tizzy. Like, she gave no fucks. Yeah, which in turn, you know, made her the most hated woman in America. And during this time that I watched the movie and became inspired, um, (laughs) inspired to write this, not inspired to, you know, do anything she's doing. But um, I was also listening to a lot of the, um, a lot of episodes from other podcasts on the Satanic Panic. And I, they never really mentioned it, but I believe this kind of fueled into that also. Like, that's whenever around this time like this 60s and 70s like it became a um like really divisive in the church like you're either with us or against us kind of mentality and of course here comes o'hare taking church or taking um prayer out of school which i bet lit everyone's pants on fire and was like what the fuck like the devil is here the devil is in america yeah yeah i'm sure that really pissed off a lot of people um, but even then now, I still hear people complain about the fact that, oh, we can't do this in schools anymore because it, it, uh, what was the last one I said? Something about, they were like talking shit like the snowflakes couldn't handle religion in schools anymore and all this and that. And I'm like, well, that's not a place for it in school, you know? Like there's other religions of people at schools, you know? Yeah. I'm a big, ad- or I guess, I guess we could talk about it later. We'll continue. We'll talk about it later. Um, Okay. In 1964, she and her family fled Baltimore and assault charges after a row with police officers for Hawaii where they took refuge in Unitarian Church and Bill, then 18, became a father. He named his daughter Robin. Next stop for the O'Hares was Mexico, and then after the Mexican government expelled them, Austin. Marilyn dropped its charges and the family settled down. Madeline met and married ex- FBI informer Richard O'Hare and took his name. O'Hare's life could not be wilder, and for it, she took a talk show and became a celebrity. He was on Dr. Phil. <laughs> on Dr. <laughs> Phil? Did you say Dr. Phil? You were Phil? talking about Dr. <laughs> Phil, and I saw Phil. <laughs> My man ain't that old, okay? <laughs> My sugar daddy is not that My old. Bad. <laughs> I thought that too. Like whenever I was writing, my mind well, said Dr. Phil. Well, I saw Phil, Phil and then I saw the D, <laughs> and I was like, "Isn't Phil his first name?" I'm just gonna read. I don't know. My brain. It's early. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay, so O'Hare's life could not be wilder, and for it, she took to talk shows and became a celebrity. Sorry, she was on Phil Donahue's first program in 1967, not Dr. Mm-hmm. Phil, and was later a hit on the Merv Griffin and Johnny Carson show. She was funny, smart, opinionated. She was also bitter and mean. When Pope John Paul died in 1978, she wrote in her diary, quote, I only wish I could spit on his corpse. Jesus I Christ. Know. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> She helped prevent astronaut Buzz Aldrin from talking televised. (laughs) Jesus Christ, what is wrong with me today? This is why we don't record in the morning. She helped helped prevent astronaut Buzz Aldrin from taking televised commune on the moon. I did. Did I fuck up again? Communion. Jesus Christ. Or the body of Christ. (laughs) Sorry, I'm atheist. I say these words often. She helped prevent. Okay, she helped prevent astronaut Buzz Aldrin from taking televised communion on the moon. 
She sued to stop Texas from requiring that public officials believe in a supreme being. It worked. And that was only to name a few of O'Hare's doing. Uh, Life took a turn for O'Hare in 1980. On Mother's Day, her oldest son, Bill, came out as Christian. He said, I was part of a family that kicked God out of America. Murray would tell his audience at his evangelical fundraising events, I know the truth better than any man in America. That is why God picked me to tell it. In addition to her son's betrayal, O'Hare needed help from the American Atheist Center. In 1993, Madeline O'Hare hired ex-con David Waters. Waters in his 40 was a slick-looking man with piercing eyes. O'Hare knew he had a criminal record, but she later, later claimed that she didn't know just how bad it was. At first, the O'Hares only knew that their office manager was very intelligent and well-spoken and capable of more than working as a $7 an hour typesetter. By the spring of 1995, he served as their office manager during his tenure. An expensive computer went missing. Later, some valuable bonds were stolen from the office safe. O'Hare suspected that the theft were an inside job. They entrusted Waters with the bank accounts and the keys while they went to California for a long-running legal dispute with another atheist organization. When they returned, they discovered their office manager had laid off all the staff, closed the office, emptied their bank accounts over $50,000. Furious, the O'Hare's pressed charges and waited impatiently for the case to come to trial. Fed up with waiting and a newspaper, she didn't hold back in exposing him. She indulged in her anger, laying out Waters' criminal record and revealing him to be a cold-blooded animal. She reported that while he was still a teenager that he had killed another boy by beating him with a post, leaving him in a ditch. Once out of jail, he turned on his own mother, beating her, screaming abuse at her, and then finally urinating in her face. Jesus. Yeah. That was not in the movie. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's kind of a big detail to leave out, but... More more convictions for theft, assault, and fraud followed. O'Hare conducted that Walters was a dangerous person and that the courts were indifferent to prosecuting him as he deserved because he had stolen from atheists. Unfortunately, O'Hare's run with Walters did not end there. No, things became fatally worse for O'Hare on August 27th, 1995. And this is where it gets boozy. Now, before I get into like the end of Madeline's life, um, yeah, I am so surprised I didn't know about her sooner, but I guess that's not a figure that public school would be talking about. Um, I never really questioned why we couldn't say prayer in school um i am an advocate for a separation of church and state like despite Mm -hmm. me being a christian like i keep that to myself like to me that's very private and um i don't want to be saying prayer at school i don't know it's very weird um so when people that i know always say like bring jesus back to school or whatever that's not what they say but you can get my drift um I always come back with, okay, you want freedom of religion. Um, that means freedom for all religions, too. Because in, in the movie, Madeline O'Hare says, okay, well, if you want religious freedoms, I don't think you would be very happy if, you know, the Muslim down the street came in and started reciting their prayers. Like, that would be not okay to this group of people but they mm-hmm. want you know christian prayer in school which isn't fair to anybody i mean that's just me um so, oh my god paraphrasing <laughs> i was gonna say synthesizing <laughs> like oh jesus are you um, a plant now 
Oh no, that's photosynthesis. Oh my god, I'm gonna shut the fuck no, up. No, I think plants synthesize too. <laughs> I'm done. I'm quitting. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, she was an interesting character, and there were tons of quotes from her I wanted to include. She had this big bit, and I think it was Playboy magazine about feminism. Even like she was a you know huge advocate for for feminism, and you know back in that day, that was also the devil's work. <laughs> Women doing things just just can't have it. That's not okay. I mean, I still think people say feminism and they're like Ugh. like i still see a lot of people that retract with that term like i all stand for women but i'm not a feminist like i hear that all the time so and i'm like do you do you know what that means like do you know like, the definition of feminism like what yeah <laughs> what are you talking about so yeah it's the term has certainly been demonized um and you know that stemmed from this time period and before mm-hmm. probably like since the dawn of men like it's totally fine I mean, we're they here we're still... <laughs> they <do> so. <laughs> all right so this next section i'm gonna have to give a huge shout out to mysanantonio.com um for providing a lot of this information uh so o'hare her son john Mer- murray and her granddaughter robin were kidnapped by three men and taken to san antonio remember at this time she was in austin uh, the disappearance, though, was not initially viewed as strange by those close to the family. You know, because she had done this before. Um, of course, uh, it wasn't a big surprise that, um, you know, she would pack her shit and go on vacation or go away for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, a note was left at the American Atheist Center office, expected to be from O'Hare, and friends and family assumed the group left to enjoy retirement overseas. There were those. Uh, there were other theories at the time as well, but Austin police and Atheist Center officials treated the situation as if the O'Hares left on their own. In the movie, there was an individual who was really trying to get the attention of authorities and did not feel like this was right. But I'm not sure if that was sensationalized for cinema or if there was actually like a person that was um, waving a flag the whole time. O'Hare kept contact with employees in Austin using a cell phone for three weeks after his abduction. So, sorry, the son kept in contact with employees three weeks after their abduction. So no red flags were raised. The captors took O'Hare, the O'Hare family, to the Warren Inn on the northwest side of San Antonio, where the group lived for a month in a two-bedroom, one-bathroom rental. While in captivity, the O'Hares played card games, Monopoly, and had philosophical discussions. O'Hare's son and a captor would leave to pick up Mexican food at La Fonda, often staying for beers and margaritas. So it seems like a pretty chill time. Yeah, it almost doesn't seem <clears throat> like the typical abduction. It seemed very like, okay, we're just going to get what we want, and then you guys will be good. You know, just the way it was set up. It's, it was very casual, it seemed like. Yes, yes, definitely. In September 1995, um, O'Hare had 600,000 wired to the U.S. from New Zealand, which was then used to buy gold coins. On September 29th, O'Hare picked up $500,000 worth of coins from a small jeweler on Fredericksburg Road. And this was the son. Like, they, the kidnappers, like, entrusted the son, who I believe had a speech impediment, um, which it would make... It easy for them to point out 
like if he were missing like it'd be easy for people to find him but no one knew that they were even in trouble at the time um but they did not get the remaining one hundred thousand dollars in coins because the person who ran the store didn't have that much on hand <laughs> that same day the o'hares were moved to la quinta inn on culebra road on loop 410 which is definitely still there i believe i stayed there one time oh. it's by the olive garden if you're curious um <laughs> and the mall oh, no. in the hotel room the captors strangled each family member at the end of their long stay in captivity after they were killed the bodies were rolled up in a bedspread and the captors swept the hotel room finding notes madeline had hid for someone to find the bodies were stuffed into a van and then taken to Austin. So I have a question because it was Madeline, one of her sons, and the granddaughter, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. How did they strangle all three of them without the other ones alerting anybody? You would think they'd make noise or... Um. So I believe it was one at a time. Like, it was late at night. And I say I believe. Like, this was um, in the movie and I think in the Texas Monthly. But the granddaughter had woken up to use the bathroom or to grab a glass of water and uh-huh. one of the captors had ended up strangling her mm. and then it was kind of like a domino effect the God. the brother not the brother the son heard all the ruckus woke up went to go see what's going on they killed him and then madeline right after that's fucked up like they were waking up one at a time to see what was going on because i i believe that the family thought that they were going to get out alive yeah i I remember recalling somewhere that once they got the money they told them that they were just going to let them go but yes they did say that the intentions were to get the money and to leave and to like let them let them be because madeline couldn't go to authorities and say hey i was kidnapped and i was robbed of my money because she was committing crimes too yeah because that Um, money was Launder money or stolen money from her nonprofit. Yeah, yeah. There was another thing. What was it? Um, oh, because, like, it, it's strange to me because I don't know, maybe there was some Stockholm syndrome involved with this for the son to just go trying to get help from others. Because uh, I know they couldn't go through the authorities, but just that that trust, that strange yeah. trust that was built between them and that ca- casualness, it's just wild to me. Yeah, there was a big dependency on um, Madeline from her son. Like, they were very close. Um, So I think it was also that trust, this is just me speculating, like that trust that he had in his mom that she was going to take care of it. And it was fine. Because she had a very nonchalant attitude about getting kidnapped overall, like in the first place. Because she happened to know one of the kidnappers. And I think we can Mm -hmm. all guess who one of the kidnappers were. Dun, dun, dun. Yes. So, in Austin, a captor later told the FBI they had chopped up the bodies and loaded the pieces into three 55-gallon metal drums. Ugh. Then, drove the hall to Campwood in Real County, northwest of San Antonio, where they were buried. Before disposing of the bodies, two of the captors turned on the other. They shot him, dismembered, dismembered him, by cutting off his hands and head and burying the severed parts with the other victims. Um, This wasn't in, like, the San Antonio article or, like, Texas Monthly, but I believe that 
um, well, based on the records of that captor that they had turned on, like he was trying to get out. Like he just wanted the money and he wanted to leave. Uh, so they mm-hmm. were speculating that he was tipping off authorities or he would eventually tip off authorities. So they had to cut off the weakest link. The headless, handless body was disposed along the Trinity River in Dallas days later. So they were just driving all over fucking Texas with these chopped up body parts. I don't understand. (laughs) That's a long drive. That's like a four hour drive. Um, let's see. In the year following the disappearance and killings, a Thor... Oh, in the year following the disappearance and killings, authorities and the public did not suspect foul play in in the O'Hare case. But all of that began to change with a story in the Express News. On August 1996, John McCormick, a reporter for the San Antonio Express News, was tasked with writing an anniversary piece for the newspaper. He interviewed people at the Atheist Center, checked clips, and rechecked details. His initial story uncovered little that was already known, or that wasn't already known at the time. As he put it, quote, they disappeared. No one knew anything. There was a quirky transaction involving a car shortly before they disappeared, end quote. Three months later, McCormick got some friendly advice about tax documents that led to several pieces of key information that would give the odd tale new life. Mac McCormick checked the tax forms for the American Atheist Center and discovered the transfer of $600,000 in American Atheist Center funds from New Zealand in September of 1995. A transaction linked to Murray which then led to McCormick, or which then led McCormick and an investigator to track down Murray's cell phone records. Those records, which showed who Murray called and when, was the next piece of the mystery, and led McCormick and his investigative partner to find where the money was used at the small jeweler in Fredericksburg, on Fredericksburg, not in Fredericksburg. For the next several years, McCormick continued to work with a private investigator to uncover more about the case. Then, in June 1998, McCormick got a call from a tipster who said it was a kidnapping and that he had a name. The man said that the O'Hares were held at gunpoint and taken to San Antonio by David Waters. He could, or Walters, he couldn't remember. (laughs) With a little investigating, McCormick found the connection between Madeline O'Hare and a David Waters, a former employee of the American Atheist Center who was convicted of stealing 53000 from the organization in 1993, as Sam had mentioned earlier. The tipster said he was a friend slash relative of a, personal, of a person concerned with the welfare of a man named Danny Fry, who Waters, or Walters as he said, had convinced, had convinced to come from Florida to help in the kidnapping. Fry, the tipster said, was missing. And Fry, unfortunately, was the unfortunate kidnapper who died. In August 1998, McCormick brought Fry's involvement into the public eye, establishing the connection that Fry disappeared the same time as the O'Hares, and they both knew David Waters. As McCormick would later say, we wrote the story about Danny Fry when we were really writing the story about David Waters. Waters, who had spoken with McCormick, maintained his innocence. A few months later, on October 2nd, 1998, McCormick came across a wire story marking the three-year anniversary of when a headless, handless corpse was found near a river in Dallas. With a hunch and a little help from the Dallas Sheriff's Office and the Fry family, McCormick confirmed that the corpse was Danny Fry. 
When that informa information was published, Waters was again part of the story, telling the Express News he was, quote, in no way connected with their, the O'Hare's, disappearance, demise, relocation to a sunny climate, or anything else that has to do with them. The last time I saw them was about a year before they decided to make this little move. After that, it was, quote, like rolling down a hill, McCormick said. At that point in 1999, the FBI entered the picture, arresting Waters and another man, Gary Carr, in connection to the case. The investigation would reveal the rest of the puzzle, including a deep-seated hatred Waters had for Madeline O'Hare. According to an FBI affidavit, at one time, Waters told his girlfriend he envisioned cutting off her toes one by one. Yeah, well, I mean, the how he treated his mother, I mean, he definitely had some mommy issues, and... Madeline O'Hare was definitely the woman to bring that shit all up. Especially after she called him out. Mm -hmm. Waters would eventually lead authorities to the exact spot he and Carr buried the O'Hare's remains and Fry's head and hands. Waters would be sentenced to 20 years in prison and he died in 2003 from lung cancer. Now, in the movie, it, the movie is depicted as this all happening at the same time so they go missing the reporter is on the case the reporter is putting out articles at the same time of their kidnapping there wasn't like this long period of him having to put things together so it seemed like this was all working side by side you know the kidnapping and then the reporter trying to mm -hmm. investigate but no they were dead and gone and they were slowly putting the pieces together throughout yeah the investigation from the reporter and his partner and the okay so crazy part i had heard about this story for the first time one drunken night in san antonio um i was with my mom and her significant other at the time and he's the one who brought it up because he Okay, yes, he's the one who brought it up. So let's talk about the money. Like, where the fuck did the money go? Remember, we have all, like, hundreds of thousands of dollars in coins. Mm -hmm. Well, the kidnappers, you know, not very brightly, put the money into a a lock, like a, like a safe, using, like, a $10 fucking lock, like a really cheap lock. Mm -hmm. They stashed the money and some of Madeline's goods, like, some of her her jewelry and some of her property after they killed her and it was never found yeah because didn't some kid steal it or something i know the person who stole it huh <laughs> i said i know the person who found it oh shit and that's how i know about the story that's wild yeah like i didn't know um, my you know mom's boyfriend at the time was talking about how you know how crazy he was <laughs> oh in his God. younger days and how him and his buddy found a bunch of money and a bunch of jewelry and stuff and had a really good time went to mexico went to vegas and blew all this money that they found on drugs like in one weekend and then they found out later that it was an atheist it belonged to an atheist that was kidnapped <laughs> and murdered <laughs> That's fucking crazy. Yeah, and I wrote it in my notes. I was like, atheist, San Antonio, killed, probably like in with one eye because it was like super late at night when we were talking about it. And I was, 
a few drinks in probably (laughs) but that's the story of that's not the most hated woman in america that's awesome well thank you for bringing this topic up because i don't think i would have ever covered it so it was really fun working with you and that that the link is insane that that's wild so yeah and her life in general is like a fucking movie when i was doing my research there were of course google suggestions saying is this movie real is this movie based on real life because yeah her life is insane like all the shit she she did in her life and then to be kidnapped and murdered on top of that and she was old by the time she died like by the time let's see this she was born in 1919 she was murdered in and if you see her pictures like she looks like a a sweet little granny but she's she had a lot of hatred man so she was 76 when she died yeah she was 76 i had to pull out my calculator um but yeah oh my god but i mean looks are deceiving like with uh georgia tan everyone was like oh she looks like a sweet granny and then she was a fucking monster just because you're old like and i've always stood by this just because you're old does not excuse you from your bullshit (laughs) exactly i've met a lot of nasty old people so hey some just get bitter by by the age did I ever tell you when I worked at CVS and I had this old lady pissed off about um, the pharmacy fucking up her prescription? I was like 18 at the time. And she goes up to the front register and she's like yelling at me, like spatting at me that the the, the back, the, the people fucked up her prescription. She fucking spit in my <gasps> face. Oh my God. She can go to jail yeah, for that now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I just stood there like, what the actual fuck? Like... It's not my fucking fault, you know? Um, And, like, I just stood there, like, dumbfounded. Like, did this bitch really just spit in my face? And she was, like, maybe, like, in her 80s. Um, (laughs) It was fucking wild. Oh, my God. Fuck you. (laughs) That is awful. People are awful. Yeah, so I left CPS very quickly after that. (laughs) Don't let your grumpy grandparents get away with things. (laughs) Yeah, no. Granted, I might be a grumpy grandparent when I get older, but actually, I'm not having kids, so no, probably not. I'll just be a grumpy old person, but <laughs> I would never treat someone like that, you know? Yeah, so. that's awful. Ugh. Yeah. But yeah. Oh, wild. But um, I think that's it, because my internet is starting to shit out again, which is why I wasn't more enthused when you dropped the news. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Um, I'm going to wrap this up then. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in for another episode of Booze Podcast. We will be back. Our last in, episode. I know. We'll be back in year. March. We'll still be posting on all our socials. Um, I have a little surprise for people once you click into our Instagram in the next coming months or so. So just keep posted on that. Just keep tabs on our socials um, for a new improved look. But, um, yeah, thank you guys so much. We will be back in March. Love ya. Yes. Stay thank you for a wonderful bye. year. Oh, bye. <laughs> Sorry, Sorry, what were you so saying? Sorry. <laughs> oh, my God. Happy New Year's. See y'all in 2021, basically. Hope it's yes. better on the okay. other um, side. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and you can follow all of our socials at Booze Podcast, which is B O O Z P O D C A S T. All right, y'all. Stay boozy. Bye. Goodbye.